Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. To steal an opening, kind of, that Evan had a few weeks ago, I need you guys to pray for me today. Because as soon as we're done recording this podcast, on a Sunday afternoon, I have to go to Costco. Oh, no. Wait, which one? Oh, no. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to make the extra drive to Guelph, but it's oh. not much better. Yeah. Uh, that's rough. Yeah, I'm I, avoid, I avoid the Kitchener one like the plague. Yeah, no, don't go to that Are one. Are you handing out car ribbons that I can put on the back of my car? Pray for Brad. I yeah. I need to. What's your color? <laughs> Crisco Strong. <laughs> it's uh, just beige. It's just a beige. Reference. On a Sunday after you didn't even go Sunday morning when we, when uh, the average person might still be like lazing around the house. You're gonna go in the afternoon where the entire population is thinking, "Huh, now's a good time to go to Costco." Yeah, because it usually takes us what an hour to record this ballpark, so we'll be done by about twelve thirty. It takes me about forty five minutes to get it edited and posted, so I'm gonna be walking in there. Oh, right about one thirty, two o'clock. That's a terrible, terrible. That is the worst sir. possible time. Who chose this? I did because I don't have another option today. Oh, one of the stupid ones, are you? Yeah. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm screwed. <laughs> Ah, I'm Evan. Sorry, I was <laughs> mid-sip of my coffee. We couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, on today's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, surprisingly, it's only been a short while since our last episode, uh, but surprisingly, we have things to talk about. Uh, the World Juniors closed last night. Uh, Finland and the U.S. played the gold medal game. Uh, there's a couple interesting things to talk about there. Um, the Detroit Red Wings had a rather fun game against the Nashville Predator- Predators. Um, we're recording this before their game tonight against Washington. Washington. So, so let's just do our quick analysis right now. Playing the odds, it was bad. Moving on. <laughs> uh, outshot by four hundred shots. Wow, is that a record? Wow, uh, Ovechkin hit fifty today. He came into the day with thirty goals. <laughs> and then we're gonna round out uh, by just starting to chat uh, a little bit about what's coming in a, the better part of two months, which is the trade deadline um that's going to be the prevailing underlying topic through most of our episodes between now and then so we thought we'd take a look at uh, a trade bait list what it means for detroit and uh, what to look out for uh, and then of course we'll do overtime and and all, all that jazz and then brad is, is going to go um wage war against costco I am going to absolutely run down someone over the age of 60 with my cart today i actually don't find that it's uh the elderly in Costco are not always the most aware. In the parking lots, yeah, you got to be. Like, it's it's a nightmare. But they're not always the most aware. But they're pretty standard through and through. It's the families with 11 kids who just run across the aisle and back and across the aisle and back. And it's just... Yeah. And, and the mom's always wearing a hoodie and a pair of jeans that don't fit. And the dad is literally... It's a country head- song, isn't it? Yeah. And he, the dad is always wearing head-to-toe under armor. Despite the fact it's negative 10 degrees outside, he's wearing shorts and flip-flops. And he's got a backwards hat on with those... That sunglasses that every baseball dad owns. What Brad just described is a local. That is what a local is. That is that is a Loki do that's a local. And you stay away from the locals. You don't make eye contact with them. <laughs> you don't engage with conversation. You don't answer any of their questions, because that's how they get you. Yeah, and let's not forget they've got four kids named Braden, Caden, Aiden, and Jaden. I'm sorry for any of our listeners who's has four kids with that those exact names. Actually, yeah. if you do have four kids with those exact names, let us know. We'll send you a prize <laughs> as an apology. And a thesaurus. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think <laughs> the stars would work for names, but I see what you're doing there. They understood the joke. The World Juniors. They might not have, actually. Uh, <laughs> Finland is a hockey powerhouse. Legitimately. They are winning all of the things lately. So, uh, how many, what is this? Their third World Junior Championship in the last... Six. Tor- I think they said three and six. Yeah, that sounds about right. And they have they've had a lot of success at the under eighteens like that. This is a country that's not. It's not like Canada, U.S., Russia, space, and then you know Finland. I'm like I'm talking Finland is up there, like mm-hmm. the same way you regard Sweden, the same way you regard Canada, the same way you regard U.S. Like Finland is there, winning uh, the gold medal this year, obviously over the Americans, and they had a bunch of. Uh, eligible players still playing in the NHL that weren't there. Like Christian Veselainen didn't come over for the tournament. Um, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi wasn't there. Like they were missing a couple guys. So that, that makes it all the more impressive. Yeah. They've had uh, in the under 18s, two golds and two silvers in four years in the world juniors. They have had golds in 2014, 2016 and 2019. Wow. That is absolutely insane. That is like a, that's a small country too. That's the biggest. Uh, basically, they're basically the GTA. They're the biggest producer of competent goalies in the history of the world. Yeah, why is nobody? Why aren't more people talking about Uka Pekka Lukanen? He like, was unreal. He has been unreal all year. Like just for reference, if you, if you think he's not a valuable goalie to whatever team he's playing on, the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL, his his team this year, has been catastrophically bad for a few years now. They have picked up some players, but all of a sudden this year, they were a very, very good team. They were near first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Lukadin goes over to the World Juniors. I think Sudbury's played six games since he's been gone, and they're one in five. Moving. And somehow he did not get tournament MVP. I am <laughs> I am the, stunned. Who got tournament MVP? I think it was Ryan Paling of the States. Oh. Top, he didn't even get top Pales goalie. The in Ru- comparison. The Russian goalie got top goalie. Interesting. And I think it was uh, Morozov got top defenseman also from Russia. Because apparently they vote on the tournament MVP at the first intermission of the gold medal game. Not sarcasm. That's actually what they do. That is just stupid. You can just do it at the end of the game. That's such an IIHF thing. It's so dumb. It'll take two seconds to do it at the end of the game. Um, Boston is going to have a pairing of um, McAvoy, Vakaninen someday. And that's going to be... Hasn't Vakaninen been play, played a bunch of games with Boston this year already? Probably. If I'm not mistaken, but McAvoy's missed like half the season with various injuries. So Vakaninen was on the ice for, what, like 85% of that game? Well, Finland essentially was just playing their top four on a continuous loop. Yeah. The the, the bottom pairing barely plugged in. Well, I mean, when you have Yokoharu too on the other pairing opposite Vakaninen, eh, that's some good depth. Hey, that's the best hockey he's been playing in all year. <laughs> That's it. Could yeah. Finland beat the Blackhawks? <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, I'm just bitter because I had to listen to these "Could Alabama beat the Bills?" jokes all fucking year. You had to listen to that for the last eight years, Brad. The Bills have been on the at the butt end of every joke. Made the playoffs last year, Ryan. It, it has not stopped people. <laughs> You're not wrong. As a as a fan of a team that's also at the butt end of every joke, I understand. <laughs> um. Hey, the Lions fired Jim Bob Cooter. I still refuse to believe that's a real name. 
Oh, it's it's James Robert Cooter, but then they had to change it. <laughs> Cooter. <laughs> uh, back to the World Juniors. Uh, the game was decided, obviously, by a literal last-minute goal by none, none other than Capocacco. Capocacco. Capocacco had a fantastic tournament. Everyone else who didn't know who he was, like the, the level of casual fan who would know who the top prospect was in Jack Hughes, but wouldn't know so far as Capocacco, they know now. I've seen so many people going, oh, I can see why some people are saying that he might go first. He looks amazing. He is. And uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to Patrick Laine, which I would very much like to stop right now. Um, stop I, it, Brad says. What? Stop it He's enough. Finnish? He He's Finnish and he like, scores goals. He, he must, must be, be Laine. He must be Laine. Except for the fact that even if you want to take just the gold medal for reference, they were throwing 17-year-old Capo Caco out there to kill penalties. Key moments in the game. And he was out there in the final minute to defend the one goal lead. Mm. So he's the anti-line, as he can do everything on the ice, not just score goals. Not to say Jack Hughes looked bad. I actually think once Jack Hughes came back, I think he looked good. Like He looked fantastic. He had an assist in the gold medal game. I think he had a point in every game he played. Keep in mind, he missed, I think, three or four games with an injury during the tournament. He looked great. The U.S. National Development Program is a funny... It provides these funny barometers to how success is measured for players, and sometimes it masks bad players, and sometimes it overstates bad players, and sometimes it's just so, like, I don't really have a great read on it, and I don't think a lot of people do, because if you look at stats, and you're wondering where's all this Jack Hughes hype coming from, and then you look at Jack Hughes in, like, the average game, you're like, he didn't look absolutely phenomenal out there it's really a disservice to him because he actually does so much right as a centerman as at the age of like what is he 14 yeah um he the development program is just so there's no standardization to it in my mind um that allows like casual or even like in pretty involved hockey fans to be able to look into it and say okay x y and z might turn out to be a b and c does that make sense was that just drivel it always is but you know more so than usual yeah I think it's because they don't play, they play like a whole bunch of different caliber of teams, right? They kind of are just like a a touring band of hockey players. They play tournaments, they play USHL teams, they play NCAA teams. So it's easier when you look at, you know, CHL players or specifically players in like the OHL and they all play each other all the time and you see the the top of the uh, the cream of the crop rise and it's easy to make inferences based on those statistics but with this it's like well this week they played a bunch of 18 year olds and next week they played a bunch of grown men and just to extrapolate evan's point look at how we're evaluating philip zadina didn't have a good tournament but the sky isn't falling because playing in a tournament like a one-off tournament is different than playing in the uh, ahl right like his average game against the syracuse crunch of the ahl Will is that still mm-hmm. will have more weight in my mind than the entirety of this tournament? As much as this tournament is more of a spectacle and more of a showcase, like in terms of what it can actually uh, deliver in terms of information, it's just bizarre. Is there a thought? I don't. I don't know too well, and this might just be me being a, uh, an ignorant Canadian. But with the rise and prominence of NCAA hockey, is there a need for the national? development program anymore yes because it's not just a u18 program they also have a u17 program and guys just graduate from one to the other generally although jack hughes was the rarity last year he was playing he played a boat i think half the season with the u18s 
doesn't is even then like doesn't he have like an insane amount of points per games played with that team? Isn't it like more than Austin Matthews? It's about on par with Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel. When so, I mean, the program, it's you know the numbers don't lie there, yeah. and you the eye to you pass the eye test too. Yeah, that that's what I like. Even when I've been trying to evaluate Jack Hughes and in, in the games and highlights of his I've watched, I've been trying to just watch his NCAA games to see where he is at relative to a higher level of competition. And spoiler, he's been terrific. Yeah, um, the 2017-2018 season with the under 18s, which he'd spent double the time or twice as much time as he did with the under 17s uh he had 39 points in 18 games so that's Jesus. over two points a game and that was as an underage player yeah this year as an 18 year old um well 17 year oh, 17 still yeah. yeah um 10 games so far and he has 15 points so he's dropped to a measly point and a half per game <laughs> it's i don't know he's probably good but cat the point is cat goes making this a lot more interesting of a conversation so now emotional like factor in all of your emotional reaction watching that goal watching the whole tournament all the hype around caco now everyone's screaming his name who do you take first overall you're the detroit red wings jack hughes okay because as 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 much as i think caco has closed the gap and even if i i don't think he's all the way up to jack hughes yet but i think he's pretty damn close ty goes to the center that's that's my tiebreaker. So if I have them both rated at 99 out of 100, I'm going to pick the center. Evan? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, people will... The Montreal Canadiens will always argue about whether they need a centerman or a winger. Um, but I feel like it's easier to transition a center to a wing if absolute, if it's absolutely needed Yeah. Um, than the other way around. Yeah, and again, I still think Hughes is the superior player because... Hughes, you know, one tournament doesn't change yeah. what the the feeling has been about the draft for the past, you know, since the last draft was done. It doesn't change it as much. The World Junior has done a lot to skew people's perceptions of certain players. Oh, yeah. A guy has a huge World Junior, like stats-wise, and gets picked 30 spots higher than where he should. Yeah. It's... it's yeah, <laughs> Well, he was that might have been more than 30. Yeah, I was going to say he was he was projected to go first overall all year. That wasn't a surprise. Yeah, but I mean, it's happened. Um, I can't think of a a very specific example. And sometimes the world junior, though, can can occasionally do the opposite. It can bring light to a player who's been great all year, just hasn't been getting the attention. The most recent example of that is a couple drafts ago. Uh, Nico Heischer was ranked, I think, 16th going into the the 16th ranked prospect going into the season, exploded at the World Juniors, and then people started paying closer attention to him, and they're like, oh, yeah, oh my God. Between that and a Nolan Patrick facial injury, he went first overall. Yeah. And has been great for New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer because they get zero attention. Yeah, because Elias Patterson is just... Yeah, the average person could not tell you how well those guys are developing as number one and two picks. Yeah, uh, he sure very well. Patrick, eh, that one's not... He's a fine NHL player, but he's not playing like a second overall pick. I know he's only in his second season, but it's, it's not looking great. He has 11 points in 34 games this year. And again, a respectable NHL player for, what, a 19 or 20-year-old, however old he is now? Yeah. 
But that's not the production you expect to see in the second season of a second overall pick. No. Um, moving forward, uh, beyond the World Juniors, now that that's done, uh, the Detroit did have one game uh, between last episode and now. It was against Nashville, uh, who very quickly went up 2 nothing uh, against Detroit. Dis- and- despite at one point Detroit out shooting Nashville 10 to nothing. And then Nashville scored on their, I want to say, third shot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Nashville had like a 5,000% shooting percentage for a little bit there. So they were up to nothing against Detroit. Uh, Detroit obviously closed the gap. Um, there was a point where Nashville actually had a go ahead goal that was called back on a successful coaches challenge. Funny enough from Jeff Blashill. Uh, I could see why you challenged that. If I'm the referee, I do not see why that goal was overturned. That was, uh, I understand that it's. Goaltender interference, it's subjective. The rule is gray. A lot of these calls could go either way if they're pretty close. This one in my mind wasn't close. The whole, I think it was Phil DiGiuseppe of Nashville. I think the whole reason he was even in the crease was because Jensen put him there. Yeah. All DiGiuseppe was trying to do was take the lane between Howard and Jensen and cut across to the front of the net, as players do roughly 1,000 times per game. Jensen, being an aware defenseman, and I mean good on him, noticed... DGSFB coming in, tried to cut off his lane, inadvertently pushed him into the crease and into Howard. And then even once he got separation, he stepped, attempted to step out of the crease as the puck ended up going in the net and they still waved it off. I was angry when I saw Blashill challenge that because I'm like, there is no way this is getting overturned. And then it gets overturned. And I'm like, oh, sorry, Jeff. Okay. My bad. Yeah, no, that was plain and simple. That was the wrong call. I've seen much worse in terms of not trying to get out of the goaltender's way. Let go. Yeah. Against Detroit. Yeah. Uh, that was bizarre, and it would probably rob Nashville of a win, truly. Now, I will say this is – my opinion is based entirely on the eighteen nineteen standard and not the seventeen eighteen standard because we know last year – if you looked funny at the goalie anywhere near the crease, that goal was getting waved off. But then they had the meeting and they said, no, 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 guys, we got to stop calling this so close. So they've been letting the little ticky tack ones go this year. And that was a ticky tack one. That was the exact type of one that they would have called last year that they have made a concerted effort to no longer wave off this year. Yeah, don't be surprised if there's someone, if there's a call between, you know, upper administration, the NHL and upper administration in uh, the referees association between the teams as well. Like, cause that's, that's the standard that Brad's right. That's the standard that they want to do a, away with. Um, I don't even think that was the right, that would have been the right call under their parameters last year. Yeah. Like it, Howard was barely affected. No. Uh, and he reco- even if he was, he had recovered and reset by the time that came in. Yeah. That was, that was just an ass night call. And I, even relating back to the world juniors last night, Everybody was losing their mind when uh, USA had Oliver Wallstrom's goal waved off. Seemingly, a lot of people forgetting that the IIHF is a different rule. If you are in the blue, it doesn't matter how you got there. The goal's not going to count. So, yeah. There's a reason Don Cherry calls European hockey soft. It's pretty much the rule is always – it's it's the most strict rules you could possibly have in the yeah. IIHF. You can't even finish your checks – was that did they trial that this tournament? They did. I, I they were not enforcing it at all, or else Max Comtois would not have played this tournament. <laughs> they ruined it. They ruined it. Um, Dylan Larkin obviously is still the story of that game. Uh, Detroit went up three two. Nashville tied it with just over a minute left, and in <laughs> overtime, 
This game proved two theories to me that I have noticed with the Red Wings this year in a good and a bad way. First, relativity. Brad actually has been working on physics on the side. He says he's been working on video editing. It's actually been physics. Brad, tell us about your dissertation. Yes. So when the Red Wings are trailing early in a game, they are inevitably going to come back and at least tie the game. Mm -hmm. This is a known fact. Been proven by every time they've been down to nothing this year. Another proven fact. Anytime they subsequently take the lead with too much time left or start with the lead, they are going to blow said lead. Both happened last night. Detroit goes down 2 nothing, comes back 3-2. Minute, less than a minute left, I think. Nashville ties the game. <laughs> it is. It's the, the, the bizarre laws of being a Detroit Red Wings fan watching this happen. I, like I said, I'm not really invested in wins and losses at this point this year. I'm more invested in the development of the young players. But if I was invested in wins and losses at this point, I think it would honestly be rooting for the other team until they scored that first goal to take the lead. And then I would revert back to, all right, Detroit, let's go. I'm trying to pull up here uh, a list of overtime goals, like the league leader in overtime goals. Well, Larkin now holds the Detroit Red Wings all-time record with four. Four. In a season, halfway through the season, four. It's like clockwork. If and how if you count how many uh, overtime goals he's assisted on, and then if you factor in like late game game winning goals, Dylan Larkin could be having a flash in the pan one off year where like he might not be this skilled or talented ever again. But the way he has had, he has gotten Detroit to buy into something. Not even him, just something. Some kind of small success, some kind of small win. This guy is Detroit. Dylan Larkin is the Detroit Red Wings. His that C is on his jersey. Uh-oh. I'm Zetterberg earned his C before Lidstrom even retired. Lidstrom earned his C before Eisenman even retired. Larkin didn't have that, but he has sure as hell earned it now. Give we would him. yeah, we would have thought before the season that he was the right call, but there was a discussion. It's his. It's his, it's his, it's his. He's earned it. He has won. Or he is Detroit's new golden boy. And he, like, good on him. This isn't going to age well when Abdelkader's made the captain. No, the it the absolutely season. will not age well. I hate that that's not a fully sarcastic joke. No, it's not. You know, we can't always have nice things. Oh, my mic did the thing again where it goes limp. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you can you can maybe hear Brad's dogs upstairs uh, doing their rendition of the Nutcracker. Because <laughs> I said Applicator is the captain, and something just, weird happened. They got yeah. rattled. It's you know how dogs can just sense like impending natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Kind of that. Uh, Dylan Larkin leads the league with four overtime goals, um, leading Mark Shifley, Johnny Goudreau, and Jeff Skinner, who all have three. <laughs> to be fair. Um, I'm pretty sure Detroit also probably leads the league in overtime games played. <laughs> probably. Because with the whole system and mentality the Red Wings play with this year, the whole I, I'm trying to not lose mentality generally results in a lot of ties. Uh, so, who do you think leads the league? It's a two-way tie at seven goals for game-winning goals. I'm going to take a wild stab and say Dylan Larkin's one of them. No. No? Okay. I'm going to say Jeff Joe Larkin's game winning goals are actually all overtime goals. So he only has four. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say Jeff Skinner. Yep. And I'm going to say Sean Monaghan. Uh, no, Elias Pettersson. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I was in the right part of the right country there. Yeah, you were. Alex Tuk Tuck of Vegas has six. McDavid has six. Goudreau has six. Yanni Gourd. 
Not an all-star. Remember that undrafted free agent that Tampa picked up because he was a guy who put up a ton of points in the queue as an overager? Yep. 28 points in 42 games this year. It's not bad. Five foot nine, 172 pounds. He's smaller than me. Oh my God, he's smaller than me. Yeah. <laughs> Good on him. Tampa Bay. Oh, I still can't get over the fact that Braden Point's not in. Braden Point and Mitch Marner aren't in the All Star. Where is that? Is that vote over? I'm gonna do my Larkin. I don't know, right but now. did you see the uh, the alliance that's been created? No. Uh, they, so it's been a alliance between the Red Wings, Canucks, Jets, and Capitals fans that they're all gonna vote for Larkin, Backstrom, Besser, and Line. Oh, I like that. It's yeah, very like uh, get around the electoral college by just committing your electoral college votes to the popular vote winner. Honestly, this is the stuff about the All Star Game I like though. This is hilarious. like this is fun. Like you're going out with like non-rival teams creating alliances and having fun with the fan vote. Yeah. And it's a fan vote for one player. It's not like you're electing the whole team, although I think the fans have far more credibility than the people actually picking the teams at this point. Um but you know, this is fun. This is the type of All-Star stuff I like. Just like a few years ago when everybody pooled together to get John Scott into the All-Star game. It's hockey fans having fun. Sorry, what's the alliance between? Um Washington, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Detroit. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. Besser's great. Line is great. Backstrom's great. I don't have to feel guilty about like voting a Keith Yandel in or anything like that. No. Uh, Mark Giordano really deserves to be in that game. Yeah, right? you will shut up and you will vote for Brock Besser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> uh, where, where, where were we talking? Oh, yeah, the Red Wings. So they have a game against uh, Washington tonight. Uh, or actually 5 p.m., so not even tonight, just this afternoon. Um, and then by the time we speak next, it will be, hey, we might have a, a guest midweek. Dope. Yeah. We'll have to check in with them to see. Uh, by the time we speak again, Detroit will have played against Montreal on Tuesday, and that'll be either a Wednesday or a Thursday podcast. Um, and then they have Winnipeg, Minnesota on Friday, Saturday. So Yeah, I see. I was reading something. Apparently, Detroit plays fewer games this month than any month in the last like six years Two, six, they only play eight, like 10, 10 games this month 10 games yeah yeah so well i mean they led the they were according to that fsd stat a few weeks oh, ago god. they were second in the league in games played oh, so god. i tweeted oh, out no. that graphic and it was a list did i have we talked about this on air yet i don't know it, i just assume it was games played and face off percentage but it was a list of like red wings um stats and how they ranked in the league and I saw – I was just – like I was cooking and I walked, I was looked up at the TV and I saw them post that statistic. I was like, they did not just freaking do that. Um, and so I actually rewinded the, the stream on NHL and they listed six stats. I'll read them from the bottom up. Penalty kill, 24th in the league. Power play percentage, 20th in the league. Goals against per game, twenty tied for 25th in the league. Goals per game, 27th in the league. Win percentage, 28th in the league. The first stat they listed was games, as in games played, and then they listed them as tied for second in the league, as if that's anything you're ranked as. <laughs> that, if you ever need to know how the Red Wings season is going, just look at that. <laughs> that was something else. The nice thing about having a light schedule this month, though, is because Detroit's position in the standings has been so skewed all year because they've played so many more games than everybody around them. By the end of the month, we'll have a pretty true representation of where they actually are at. Because even that game against Nashville is what? Their first win in seven games? By the way, 
another interesting stat that just doesn't make any sense that they were showing during the broadcast. Over the last nine games, the Detroit Red Wings are 8-1-0 against the Predators. (laughs) The Central Division rivalry lives on. Makes sense. And over the course of this time, the Predators have been good. This isn't like it's been the Red Wings beating up on the Senators for five years. They are legitimately owning one of the best teams in the entire NHL, and it makes no damn sense because it doesn't matter if it's in Detroit or Nashville. Speaking of the Senators, and I guess Colorado, Senators are last in the league. By, and they're behind us by four points with one game in hand. Oh, okay. yeah, Ottawa real bad. How is Ottawa worse than us? How is that possible? Uh, because Ottawa be no longer year. has an Eric Carlson. Yeah, well, I guess Thomas Shabbat's out right now. Yeah. He? Yeah. Mm. But to be fair, last year they had an Eric Carlson and a Thomas Shabbat. True. The funny thing about Nashville is there's no holdovers from those the, – the, the teams when Detroit was in the central, like there's no Weber. Any- it's pretty much just David Poyle that right, the Red Wings are beating up on. Pecorini. Yeah. Who's 39 now? Yeah. And playing out of his mind. Yeah. And also, again, it's not that Detroit had a fluky win against Nashville. They outshot them. They outplayed them. They actually deserved the win. Detroit went 50% on two two on O's that they had in a span of like three minutes. And they tried the same play. Mantha tried the behind the back pass to Vanek and Rene made a highlight poke check. And then Nyquist tried the behind the back pass to Bertuzzi that actually resulted in a goal. Nashville, what are you doing? Two two on O's in a few minutes. They're just screwing around until it matters. Well, let's look at the standings right now. Washington is in the lead in the Metro, which is always a tight. I've never seen. When was the last time we've had a runaway winner in the Metro? It seems like every seat is up for play up until the very end. Every single one. The Islanders are poised to be in a divisional seat right now with their games in hand. The Islanders. The Islanders, who went from the worst defensive team, most goals against in the NHL last year, to I think the fewest this year. Yeah, With the same personnel. So I've discovered, again, with... My physics background, I can now divisively conclude that A, Barry Trotz... <laughs> divisively? The, divisively. Definitively. That was decisively, what I was maybe. Also. Decisively. Um, conclude that Barry Trotz is the best defensive coach in the NHL, and John Tavares is a defensive liability. John- Fight me, Lee fans. <laughs> okay, but for, talk for serious right now. John Tavares has never been renowned for his defensive play. No, he hasn't, but he scored 27 goals this year, so I think we can forgive him yeah, for that. Yeah, like, I will never... Like when Tavares went over. Wait, I, Tavares has twenty seven this year. Yeah, he's third or fourth in the league in goals. He's this playing year. with Mitch Marner. This is the quietest twenty seven goals I've ever heard of. Because you can very legitimately make the case he is the third best forward on his own team right now. And because the only thing people care about now are Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's contracts. Yes, so, and because Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner might legitimately be better hockey players than John Tavares right now, which is that's the, exactly what you want if n- you're. Toronto. And here's the one thing I want. Perfect transition to the next thing I want to talk about. The Leafs have Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner, and John Tavares all playing out of their mind. Morgan Riley as arguably the front runner for the Norris Trophy this year. And they're still, what, 10 points behind Tampa Bay for the division lead? Tampa Bay has 66 points in 42 games played. They lost to San Jose in regulation for the first time in like that was the first regulation loss they had in like 17 games they are 10 points clear of of toronto who's the next highest team in the entire nhl and toronto's 10 points out of their division i was reading something yesterday that actually made my jaw drop right now tampa bay 
is on pace to win the President's Trophy by 20 points. They are on pace to shatter Detroit's all-time wins record. They are on pace to tie Montreal's all-time points record. They are very seriously making a case right now that they are going to be the greatest regular season team in the history of the NHL. There are a couple asterisks for those things because Tampa does have three shootout wins. So if they finish at their pace right now, Detroit's record technically would still be better, not counting shootouts. Again, with the shootouts, Montreal's record would still be better. But it's in in a day and age of this type of parity and a salary cap, I think cancels those two facts out. They're on pace for a hundred and just under 129 points. That is insane. Yeah, that's nuts. 110 points and you're an elite team and a cup favorite. They're on pace for 19 more than that right now. Uh, they are also on pace for sixty, almost sixty-two and a half wins. <sighs> Record sixty-four, sixty-two, sixty-one. Detroit, Detroit. It's sixty-one or sixty-two. Wins record NHL season. <clears throat> yeah, it's a bad Google search. Sixty-two, sixty-two. There yeah, you go. That happened in ninety-five, ninety-six. So Tampa is right on pace. Yep. The that's. They have a plus 52 goal differential right now, which is 13 better than anyone else in the league, which is also Toronto. Which, and they're about halfway through the season, so their plus plus minus at the end of the season could be over 100. You know, for all this talk about Toronto not being having defensive liabilities, they have 113 goals against to Tampa Bay's 124. Actually, no, Toronto's been a fine defensive team this year. Toronto has the fifth fewest goals against yeah. all year. Yeah, they've been they've gotten their crap together. I mean, it helps when Morgan Riley's doing what Morgan Riley's doing. Um but yeah, like and the scary thing is Tampa's like when Detroit in ninety six was on pace for their record, like that was a massive, massive story. People were talking about it from like November on. Nobody's talking about Tampa. Not nobody, but not many. That's what happens when you live in Florida or play in Florida, I yeah. guess. That's exactly how Cooper wants it. Yep. 100%. Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos had staggering amounts of points in December. Uh, and again, was barely talked about. Nikita Kucherov right now is on pace for 138 points. He has Yes, f- but how would we know what Austin Matthews had for breakfast? 138 points. Um, he has 50 <laughs> He has 50 points in his last 23 games. Yes. We don't know. But Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner were in a circus play or a Christmas play. And we also don't know what Austin Matthews had for breakfast because Nikita Kucherov ate it. Yes. Nikita Kucherov's second round pick is on pace for 138. 138. The decimal comes after the number. That's a whole number. 138 points. That's like what? more than Ablocator's ever had in his career. That might actually be true. I'm going to check that. <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. Let's take bets. Do you think it's more or less an Abdulkader's career total? How He's many played is... for 10 years. I have to think it's like Abby's had more. It's got to be more. Abdulkader's had to have He'd have to more. average uh, like, what What'd you say, 138? Yeah, yeah, he'd have to average like 13 points a year. There's uh, no way. Well, he definitely Abdul- has more pimps. 138. Ex- oh, no, never mind. Sorry. He has 138 assists exactly. I got uh, excited. Yes. Still, though. It's 243 points. Wow. Yeah. It's 662 games. Oh. <laughs> Third of a point per game. No, that's more than a third of a point per game. It's not much more than a third of a point per game. Uh, it's 0.367 oh my God. points per game. Uh, fun fact, Justin Nablocator is on pace for just under 10 goals this year. Hey. Hmm. Nice. It's not bad. Nice. And, oh my God. He's just on- under 25 points. 
He's nice. on pace for 25 points. Nice. Oh, let's not do that. Instead, let's talk <sighs> trade deadline. We have pulled up here TSN Hockey's trade bait list just as a kind of template to go over. Do you think if we just gave someone Evgeny Svechnikov, they would also take Justin Applicator? <laughs> Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Nick Jensen, I don't care if we can or should, would they? Nick, no. <laughs> Nick Jensen, and I've seen this talked about by people on Twitter as well, so I'm not trying to present this as a, as a new or novel thought, but Nick Jensen probably at this point in the season has made a case as Detroit's best defenseman. No. I think he's been the most consistent. Consistent, and I will give you. I will it, give you that statement, but I'm going to present my counter argument in two words. Dennis Cholosky. Yeah, but Dennis Cholosky has had ups and downs. Nick Jensen has scored goals in one game this year. Uh, I'm talking Which defense. means offensively, he has not really contributed in like 42 games. Okay. Nick Jensen also started off as a scratch. Right? Yes, and Dennis Schlossky has the privilege of a lot more. To me, this is the perfect argument of do you take the flawed but dynamic player or do you take the steady sound player? And Detroit's philosophy with the Helm and Abdelkader contracts and Erickson contracts is we'll take steady and sound and pay exorbitant amounts of money for it. I want dynamic. The the thing the point I was trying to make is not that we should keep Jensen over Cholosky. No, it's no, different. No, no. It's that Jensen should be a pretty prominent trade piece for Detroit. Not he's not going to get the return I, that Nyquist will get. I thought for a second that you were going to say maybe we should entertain the thought of re-signing him, and I was going to jump over the table with all the crap you've given me over saying that with Howard. <laughs> no, well, I, Listen, I don't think that. Or a team that's not competing, we should evaluate a trade for almost any asset we have on the team minus three people, probably. You know, that's it'll... probably two people more than that conversation yeah, should yeah. go. I, Chalowski and Larkin is basically my two. I think my list ends at Larkin. Like, I love Chalowski, but if someone's willing to offer us a really premium piece for him, I'm not that attached yet. Yeah, true. <laughs> I swear that's a different bread than we got at the beginning of the season. I was trying to say Chalowski's not untouchable, but you were you were. I am him. saying like we would have to win that trade so heavily to even entertain the possibility. Less, the the price would be high because he's young, he's promising, yes, and he fits into a lot of rosters. So it would cost a lot. Yeah, and the, the thing is, we need top two defensemen. Uh, a, a team trading us for our, no- our number one defenseman right now is not going to give us a top two defenseman in return, which means we're probably taking a forward back. So unless that forward is akin to like an Elias Pettersson or someone of that caliber, it's not worth it. So it's never going to happen. But if, so it's been rumored that Dougie Hamilton is could be acquired from Carolina because they're desperate for scoring. Uh, Carolina is like sixth or seventh best in the league for goals allowed and they still have a negative goal differential that's how bad their scoring is um would you trade nyquist and a first for dougie Dougie hamilton i would not would you trade nyquist in a second i would not you wouldn't trade nyquist in a second for dougie hamilton okay man detroit is a pretty boring city i think dougie hamilton would be really bored pretty quick Dougie, <laughs> yeah, but he's the guy who enjoys boring. Yeah, yeah but he likes boring as in like mentally stimulating, like going to a museum. <laughs> well, uh, Detroit, uh, the Detroit Institute of the Arts is a fantastic place to go. He would love that. I mean, he played in Boston. There was probably a lot of historical things there. Detroit has actually incredibly historic things, just not always for for good reasons. <laughs> like, correct me if I'm wrong. Dougie Hamilton is twenty seven. 
Uh, yeah, something like that. He's close to that. Dougie Hamilton is 25. Oh, oh, oh. that changes my opinion. Yeah, Nyquist in a second I would do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, don't yeah. Think. I would not move the first because um, that could quite legitimately be Capocac or Jack Hughes. So that's insane. Um, would you do it for like a 2021 first? No. No. No firsts. No firsts at all. Detroit's a years away from competing. These are lottery picks for... Could you imagine if we traded Alexi Lafreniere for... <sighs> For no, because and even I don't that, ask Ottawa fans because they're going through that right now for this year. The only reason, and one of the reasons why I'm more comfortable saying we, I, I would even do Nyquist and uh, second for Dougie Hamilton right now, um, is because Detroit holds two seconds right now. Mm-hmm. We have we have the Islanders second, so sure, whatever. If we if we're picking ten spots later, fifteen spots later than we otherwise would have, fine. It's not devastating. I, I just think draft picks are too valuable for Detroit right now long term. And again, Hamilton's only 25, so you could get 10 good years out of him, which is great. Maybe five really good years. I don't know if Detroit's going to be realistically competing for a cup in five years, which is why I'm a little hesitant. Now, Dougie Hamilton being on the uh, on the trade board is... I, in my mind, immediately uh, rockets him to the top of this list, which also features someone else who shouldn't be even entertained if I'm their coach or GM, which is Colton Pareko of the St. Louis Blues. That is insane. Uh, right-handed shooting defenseman, same age as him. Um, similar output this year, not a lot of points, but great cap hit. Locked in for three more years at five and a half. It's um, insane. Uh, Both the same age, too, right? Yeah, same age. Both same 25 age. years old. Uh, I don't know how... And why you would trade a an excellent right-handed shooting defenseman with a great cap in contract security? That just does not make sense. And to there's me. two of them out there at the same time. Yeah, it's I don't I don't understand it. Again, as much as I'd love to ha- Detroit to have either or both of them, realistically, Detroit is not going to get either of them because even if Holland's calling, Detroit's not in a position to give bigger offers and teams who have bigger needs for them. Brett Pesci. Right-handed defenseman, 23 years old. Signed $4 million a year for five more years. That's a more... He's not as good a player as Hamilton, but that's probably a better option just because of the contract control and the age and the cap hit. Nyquist and Howard. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't think twice about that. Are you kidding? <laughs> now, would you do the Nyquist in a second for Pesci? That, yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Ideally, I'd like it to be the Islanders' second, but... Um, again, that's he's a reliable defense. He's not as flashy. He's not gonna you're not gonna get as much offensive out of him as you would a Hamilton or a Pareko. But I mean, he's a right-handed, good shooting defenseman. Right, is lacking those because again, Jen, Nick Jensen, who is on a, a contender, a really good fifth or sixth defenseman, has been playing 28 minutes a night lately in a bunch of games. That's got to be a hint. That's that. Like I mean, this is the best Nick Jensen is ever gonna play. Sell high. Yeah. You like Ken Hall can go, hi, this is our right-handed shooting defenseman who's been reliably playing 28 minutes a night for the last month. We'll take a second-round pick. Thank you. Yeah. Brendan Smith got a second and a third, and Nick Jensen right now is playing better than Brendan Smith ever played for the Red Wings. Hello, Edmonton Oilers. We have a Nick Jensen available. I oh. just uh, If you're Edmonton and you're trading for – haven't Petrovic and Manning looked terrible so far? Yes, oh. because they're not good defensemen. Shocking no one. Why is why? How does no one close to Ken Holland say, "Hey, uh, Chirelli's doing some weird stuff, and he's looking for good defensemen. He's just picking bad ones. Why don't you give him our decent ones and get like a lot out of him?" 
um, because it's a race to the bottom and the other GMs got there first. It could, for all we know, Ken Holland was on the phone and, and as soon as he saw the Petrovic deal go through, Ken Holland's call went through as Shirley was on the phone with Stan Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it seemed like such a, there's just a lot of, before it used to be nothing was moving in the uh, direction Detroit needed things to be moving in for them to make trades. And now it just seems like everything's kind of moving around them. I don't understand why Holland has to wait until the deadline to. I think it's a value thing right now. Um, I think he just knows right now there's not a lot of teams desperate for the pieces he has available. Goaltending, scoring, uh, name defense. a team. Name a team that's desperate for rental goalie right now. Name one. Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, a team well out of the playoffs is looking for a rental. Yeah, they need him. They want to make him in. The, they they would love to have Jimmy Howard to turn the season around, but they're not paying a premium to do it at this point. No, and it's there's apparently Holland is holding firm on that first. So. Yep, and again at the deadline, God is dead. First or a second for Howard, good. If if the best return on Howard is a third, and we elect to resign him, I'm not devastated. Yeah, I'm not thrilled with that. I'm not thrilled with it, but you take the security of having your bridge goalie for the next three years versus a ten to fifteen percent chance at a prospect. Uh, that that's kind of my second or a first. Yeah, I'd be furious if Holland turned that down instead of moving Howard. But again, there's not. And even if you look at Nyquist, Nyquist is going to have demand, but as far as rental forwards go, he's what? Fourth on the list of what teams would be eyeing right now at best. Teams are still waiting to see if Columbus are going to hold on to Panarin and Bobrovsky or if they're going to move them. Ottawa's still sitting there with Duchesne and Mark Stone, and then that doesn't even count the dozens of other forwards on other awful teams who are UFAs. Like I think fourth for Nyquist is probably a little generous, but possible. But until those other three dominoes fall, Ken Holland's not getting a good return on Nyquist. He only got the insane return he did on Tatar because I'm pretty sure that uh, trade was filed with the league office literally 90 seconds before the deadline. So Ken Holland's not uh, – I feel like I defend him too much on here, but he's not in a position of strength right now with the assets he has. He needs – he needs those other dominoes to fall for forwards – he needs a team to really get desperate for a right-handed shooting defenseman. And he needs... And now, again, with Hamilton and Pesci and Pareko being on the block, Jensen is what? The ninth best option for a right-handed shooting defenseman available? And again, with with Howard, if a, a playoff team does not have a goalie get injured between now and the deadline, he's not getting a premium on Howard. He's, are, he might not even be getting more than a fourth on Howard. Are there... Are there any players here uh, on the Red Wings besides Larkin or not Larkin? Sorry, uh, Nyquist, Jensen, and um, Howard, who could be moved? Uh, I would have thought that there would have been, for whatever reason, some pretty serious interest in Trevor Daly. Year and a half left on his contract, reasonable cap hit. He's won some cups. He 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 has a good reputation around the league because apparently. 30 other teams don't use don't use analytics. Uh-huh. Um, but this broken foot, I think, is putting them out right up until the deadline. So that probably kiboshes that. Um, th- there'll be players who have interest, but I don't think Ken Holland should move them because they won't get value. I'm sure Athanasiu is going to get some calls. Um, Mike Green might get some calls, but he's got trade protection. 
I, everybody needs to get it out of their mind right now that Thomas Vanek is getting traded because he's got trade protection and there's not a team in this league who's going to trade for him. He couldn't even get a draft pick last year with no trade protection. No, and no. he's having a worse season this season, so his trade value is exactly none right now. No one wants Vanek right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, no, not really. Not unless you're giving up a good young piece, which Detroit is the team that's trying to acquire good young pieces, so why in the hell would they move them? So, yeah, it's pretty much Howard, Jensen, Nyquist, and an outside chance at Daly. Or maybe Mike Green's had enough of this garbage and says, get me to a contender and waves his no-trade clause. But, again, the thing people forget about scenarios like this is people have families. Mike Green has a two-and-a-half-year-old son. He's probably not in a position right now why he, he wants to uproot his family again and move. Probably It's probably the whole reason he put trade protection in there. It's probably the whole reason he only waved to like his trade clause last year to like two teams. Because he's like, I'm either going to win a cup or I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah, I, there's no reality in which I see him waving. And with that, we are going to move into uh, overtime. We're going to be taking questions first and foremost from our lovely Patreon patrons. All of our patrons get their comments read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you. For supporting the show. We're going to start with Jeffrey Carlton, who says, Happy New Year, fellas. Uh, so how worried are we about Zadina? I know I'm being premature, but I'm having some bad feelings about him. I've always questioned the Red Wings scouting since the mid-2000s. Did they miss something in him that three other teams didn't? While 2018 appears to be a great draft, Zadina and Valeno basically fell to them. Seems like the Valeno might be the best pick for the Wings. I'm probably just been being a pessimist anyway, so you can tell me so. Love the podcast, guys. Been listening since the beginning, and you never disappoint. Let's go Red Wings fire blast show. Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, I'm sorry, what? Questioning the Red Wings scouting? I think the Red Wings scouting has been the most reliable part of the organization since. Dylan Larkin was 15th overall, and some people considered him a reach at that point. Um, Athanasiu was a fifth rounder. Nyquist was a fourth rounder. Um, I think Mrazic, when we had him, was a fifth rounder. If you can get a starting goalie in the fifth, you're doing well. Uh, who else there? There's, there's a lot. Detroit has been striking a lot of gold at spots they should not be striking. I think Athens is a fourth rounder, no? Fourth or fifth. Does yeah. it make that big of a difference? Yeah, one round. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This guy's not falling on Zadina yet. You don't see what you want to see out of him. We haven't seen what we want to see out of him so far. That being said, with the uh, expansion draft coming for Seattle and the way his contract will play, I'm not upset. We're not upset if he plays nine or fewer games because um, yeah. it actually makes things a lot easier. If he plays zero games this year at this point, I'm not devastated. Uh it's his rookie season. It's his, his first year in the organization. Um, very few players come in and make an impact right away. Uh, we focus on the Pedersons and, and everyone else, but those aren't the norm. Those are nope. exceptions. It does not necessarily put a cap on what his output put, output could be in the future either. A capo? A cap. A capo cap. cap. Anyways, um, yeah, again, Zadina had a, a poor showing at the World Juniors, but context matters. He was playing on a line with, I know I've beat this to death, with two guys who severely struggled to get him the puck. To severely struggled to get the puck in general. He still had a couple chances, and he was and he was going into that tournament fresh off an injury. Let's not forget he he played. Did he even play a game in Grand Rapids after the injury before he went over to the no. juniors? So uh, maybe one, maybe one. So he was coming off an injury. So I I'm doubting he was at a hundred percent. Sky's not falling, but my my expectations have tempered a little bit. I don't expect him to be a 40-50 goal scorer in the NHL anymore. I think that's reasonable, but yeah, I still expect him to be a good 30-goal, 30 30-assist 30 guy in the league. He's still got that potential. He's still got that skill. 
He just might be closer to an Anthony Mantha than a David Pasternak, which is still God a good, damn it. Which is still a good player though, and you need them, and it's fine. If that's his floor, I'm fine with it. I'm right now saying that I don't think anyone could reasonably put assigned stats to him. I no, don't think there's any projection. Don't get it in your head if you're thinking, oh, 30 and 30. I wanted like we wanted a 50 goal guy. Could very well be. Could be a 15 goal guy. This could be Nolan Patrick, right? And that's an indictment onto Nolan Patrick that he doesn't deserve. He's also very young still. Um, it's still so early. Yeah, there's there's no his his window of where he could land as an NHL player is still very broad. We don't know. Uh, Marissa says, rank the Red Wings based on how much of a potty mouth you think they probably are. Ooh, Tyler Bertuzzi is definitely first. Tyler Bertuzzi is one through eight, at least. Um, beyond that, who, who would I think? I feel like Anthony Mantha would have, have that French swear thing going on. Athanasiu, for sure. Athanasiu seems like a very polite guy, actually. I, I would not bet on him. He's pretty soft-spoken, pretty polite. Yeah, those are the ones who always do. Larkin. I think Larkin has a little bit of fire to him. Oh, he leads the team in penalty minutes this year, which shocked me. He's a college kid. It's because he's doing all his own fighting. Yeah. I like to think um, Howard would. And it's not at the other team. That's at his defenseman. Yeah. I feel like Howard doesn't swear at all. No, he's got crazy eyes. He definitely swears. Yeah. Kalen Wood says, way to go, Wings. Do you think PK will want to come to Detroit after he was absolutely dunked on last night? I mean, yikes. For someone so into fashion, pants around the ankles is not a good look. Kappa. Cheers, boys. Keep up the good work. That's hysterical. Um, Mark Burnham says, is Jimmy the worst goalie in the league at playing the puck? Seems like he more often than not, he, if he goes behind the net to move the puck, he causes a turnover. Love the guy, but dude needs to stay in this net if there is an opposing player within 30 meters. Metric there for you. Also, I've been pondering some taglines for the season. Here's what I have so far. Red Wings hockey. Our zone is your zone. Red Wings hockey. We didn't really want the puck anyway. Red Wings hockey. Developing your backup goalie since 2015. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Howard's always not been good at playing the yeah, puck. Yeah, but we just watched a game against Nashville, and if you want to see an adventure in goaltending, puck handling, just just look at Pekka Rinne. Yeah, he's a, he's. A I think they've actually told him just don't leave your crease at this point. Just don't. It, the other team could be coming down on a three on O with the puck behind the net and your defenseman nowhere and say just don't move. Stay there. Uh, Jeff Chen says hi guys, long time no comment. I thought it was very interesting. Brad had mentioned a couple episodes ago that Valtteri Filippula was one of his most liked Red Wings. I too was a big fan of Flip. Uh, he did, after all, win a cup with us. I think he was a perfect example of a top six forward and depth scorer and was also defensively responsible. Just think, we let him leave because he's too expensive at 5x5. Five five. It was okay to sign an abdicator for way more than that. Oh, it's worse than that. And sign Red Wings legend Weiss for the same contract. Yep. I just wanted to bring this up in case any of you guys were thinking of getting soft on Holland. I, I think the rumor was that Philpla didn't want to come back. I think Detroit offered him the same contract, but he just chose to leave. That was the rumor, so I, I don't know. He wanted to be a featured player, more of a featured player rather than a second to third line guy. Yeah. Um, Where is he now? The island. Yeah. That didn't Fitting. work. That didn't work. <laughs> uh, Brendan B. Singer says, hello, I don't have much input on the wings or any other hockey-related things. However, I did just buy three new hockey jerseys for myself for the new year and would like grades on each selection on a scale from 1 to 10. Dylan Larkin, white USA jersey. Ooh. That's a zero. That's an eight. That's a five. I respect the player, but as Canadians, I can't. I just can't. No. Quinn Hughes, blue Michigan jersey. That's a ten. That's a ten. Austin Matthews, black Team North America jersey. That's also a nine. Oh, yeah. That's a, I'll give that an eight and a half. Brandon, I think your Dylan Larkin white USA jersey is fine. 
Jacob Lozen says, howdy, guys. I figured after giving Evan so much uh, shit for his oh gods per 60, I should start supporting you on here. Just wanted to say how awesome it is having you guys listen to on rides uh, to and from work. I live in Grand Rapids, and there's literally zero hockey talk on local radio. Also, being from Grand Rapids, I work with dudes who went to school with Abby and Glenn Denning. All they talk about is how awesome at hockey those Muppets are at an NHL level. My coworkers Uh-oh. are... My coworkers are obviously true Michigander, Michiganites, drinking the Fox Sports Detroit Kool-Aid, and it's just too much to handle. Now, hold on. I need to understand one Hey, thing they're tied for second in the league in games played. Are, are they saying that they're they're terrific NHLers, or they were terrific when they were playing with them in high school? Because even a, even guys like Justin Adlocator and Luke Lindenning, who are, who are very limited skill-wise uh, in the NHL, would go out and score 900 goals in your average beer league. Hot sake, Brad, but I think he meant the former. Okay. Arjun Shanker says, I thought Chalosky was a European player. Then I saw him in an interview and he was just talking with a Canadian accent and I got very con- confused. No, he's just from the. Yeah, I mean, British Columbia is like the West Coast of. Or he is just crawled Europe. out of some sort of forest with a hockey stick. Basically. Honestly, you could have never told me that Dennis Chalosky was Canadian and I watched an interview with him. I would have immediately guessed BC. Yeah. BC is like the Europe of Canada, truly. Yeah. Yeah. They are just. And also they are the laid Asia back people. Of Canada. Also, yes. As you guys know, I've been going to the Avs games a lot this year. One thing I've noticed watching both teams, when watching the Avs, you can really tell, oh, that's the first line, that's the second line, that's the third. Whereas with the Wings, it's really hard to figure out what the lines are. I think there's something to be said for just having some level of consistency in your lineup (laughs) to getting everyone playing to the best level. Don't understand why we shuffle so much. Another observation. Have you guys noticed that the Wings are constantly doing this no-look back pass shit? Mostly in the offensive zone, but still even a lot in the defensive zone, and it causes so many turnovers. They usually happen in battles along the boards where someone is going one way, uh, they assume someone is behind them, and they chip chip the puck backwards instead of playing it forward or whatever. Drives me nuts. Don't know enough about hockey to know if that's the right thing to do or not. I'm going to do a quick aside. In the 09 playoffs, there's a pivotal game where Malkin was making a read on because Detroit's been doing that for like years and years and years. Uh, and I was watching. I was like, Malkin has been trying to pick this off the whole time and he's going to do it. And he picked it off and went and scored on a... Detroit had a huge power play, a huge moment in the game, and Malkin went and scored on a short-handed goal because he picked off that exact play. Drives me nuts. I hate it so much. Are we talking on the breakout or in the cycle? In the cycle. In the cycle, yeah. So, is it the right play? Yes. Most teams employ this because it's just when you get when you get into a jam in your own end, you're supposed to have set outlets. Players are supposed to go to certain areas of the ice to give you support if you if stuff like this happens. The Red Wings um, are bad at that. So it's not the puck carrier's fault that the guy who is supposed to be his outlet is not where he's supposed to be. Because like I said, Detroit's very good when the team first gets into the zone, but as soon as any pressure is applied and so, and there's a bit of running around involved, then you have to adapt. The Red Wings are garbage at that. So the Red Wings know where their outlet's supposed to be, what they're supposed to do when it, when they get clogged in a certain zone, and the outlets are never there. And then the other teams pick up on it, and they're just like, thank you. We'll take this back. Uh, I think a few episodes back, you pointed out how the FSD guys uh, pick on the young guys a lot, but not the younger the young guys a lot, but not, I think he meant to say the older guys. I think it's because they use those moments to educate young viewers slash players and maybe even the players themselves about what went wrong in the play and where the decision-making failed, which is easier to teach a rookie than a vet. By the way, no one loves a game of hockey in Detroit more than Mickey Redmond. That make, man makes every broadcast he's part of a thousand times better. He makes our lives a thousand times better. A hundred percent. But I don't follow. So are you, are you saying that the young players in the Red Wings are watching the broadcast and learning from these mistakes? You can, if you wanted to teach the audience about what not to do in the game of hockey, you could literally just put an ISO cam on Abdulkader and just be like, okay, so on this shift, here are the three things he did wrong that you shouldn't do, kids. 
Uh, as a last comment, I have a point of criticism. You guys change your take sometimes with the direction the wind is blowing, and you're always totally behind it. Uh, at the expansion draft, you guys lost your minds, as did everyone else, to be fair, that Howard was protected over Mrazek. Last year, you guys kept talking about Athanasiu being a trade pre- piece, and this year, you've said nothing to that effect. But you brought up uh, about Mantha when he was having a rough start to the season. In my view, the young guys are all still trying to figure out how to learn and play together and effectively. Last year's Larkin sophomore slump. I think the other guys deserve more opportunity slash chance before talked about being on the cutting block. Also, this is why I would be a terrible GM. Happy New Year's, boys. Vote Larkin for All-Star Game. So I think you're confused of about us saying certain things like coming up with opinions out of the blue. Last year, it was reported everywhere that Athanasiu was a trade piece. So we were just commenting on that scenario because we all realistically knew you probably wouldn't get a big enough return to trade a young piece like that. And then Athanasiu is having a much better year this year. So, of course, you're not going to trade a better player. And uh, I don't recall talking about actively trying to trade mantha uh, no, i remember I, the rumors were out there but and i think it's important to discern like we qualify a lot of things with you know no one could have predicted this or we didn't predict this but like just because we didn't for example athens you no one could have predicted uh him having this quality of a season this kind of step he just hadn't shown any indication of taking this kind of step and there was a little bit of turmoil with the team and the the opportunity at the time was that he was going to walk uh, and f- it made, and honestly, at the time the read was, if this guy's going to walk and he's not going to be a lot better than what he is now, then yeah, the take is you have to explore the options for a trade. Um, but we don't pretend to be predictors or, or purveyors of knowledge moving into the future with any sense of consistency. Cause if we were, we'd be hired by NHL teams right now. And, al- and also one of the things I'm generally proud of as, of us as a podcast is as facts change, we change our opinion. We're not strong-headed and married to x y and z opinion just because that's an opinion we held two years ago at the time i defend my outrage over the red wings protecting howard over mrazic mrazic was statistically the better goalie like eight years younger was showing promise to be a future it was it was asinine to protect the older goalie mrazic melted down since then howard's been fine it still works out i mean even look at what opinion we can almost change from the beginning of the season is the prevailing feeling around that Calgary Carolina trade was that, yeah, Calgary took a chance on Lindholm and Hannafin, but Carolina was getting the sure thing in the production that they would get out of Dougie Hamilton and Michael Furland. Well, spoiler, uh, Elias Lindholm is among the league leaders in goals this year, and Noah Hannafin is on pace to outscore Dougie Hamilton this year. Things change. Players improve. You have to adapt. Because looking back at it now, Calgary ruined Carolina in that trade. Yeah. And I would have not. And I definitely did not say that a few months ago. So it's. You got Brad's yeah. right. You have like, I think in the, you're, this is coming from three inherently stubborn people. You have to if you if you're going to be on the air being a talking head for for twice a week in perpetuity like you're got you have to be able to change i think changing with the wind isn't a bad thing as long as it's based on facts and as long as you don't try to retcon what you said i don't think we've ever tried and if we have it's just because we talk so much sometimes we forget but if you want an example of bad takes that i've had uh early on in this podcast uh we actually were record we were on the air when um the DeKaiser signing happened when the Abdulkader signing happened. And I remember having diff- – like you and I both, Brad, defended the DeKaiser signing and I argued with you at the mm-hmm. Abdulkader signing. At the time, you were like, that was bad. And I was like, maybe it's not so bad. Obviously, those were bad takes. Oh, yeah. um, but that's stuff you, you, you change with the facts and we're not always right. But yeah. Yeah, because in the game of hockey and hockey media, there's a lot of projection. At, like for the DeKaiser one, for example, he was – 
he was relatively young at the time. And we're like, yeah, there's room for improvement here based on his couple seasons and his sample size. Yeah, five million seems about right. And if he continues to improve like he should, it's a great contract. He's fallen off a cliff. We couldn't have seen that coming. Oh, God, no, yeah. <laughs> the Ablocator one was just a bad take. Yeah, that one, that one. I don't understand why I had that take. Yeah, from day one, you knew that one was going to be a dumpster fire. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, yeah, no, and – you know, we we come here to talk and we're not going to get everything right. And I assure you, 99% of the time, if it seems like we're too changeable, it's because the facts have changed. And if it seems like we're hypocritical and like it's not even because the facts have changed, like it seems like we're kind of retconning what we said. I promise you it's just because we forgot. <laughs> it's some like obscure like we're talking about Michael Furland and how he is. as like a left shooting forward or defense, whatever, uh, and we just haven't touched on it, and we forgot. Uh, Advanced Water says you have the power to make one trade that is plausible for the wings. Who do you trade, and who do we get back? Plausible? Okay, that takes off. <laughs> I think one of the defense trades we talked about today for either Pesci or Hamilton, I would do either of those. Um, if I'm talking a plausible trade, best case scenario, and I'm going to put some context around it, is we trade Nyquist for a first-rounder, to a team like, I'm going to try and pick one here, like San, Jose, San Jose, okay, hypothetically, who I'm not saying San Jose is the team, but just a team like San Jose, who's expected to be pretty good this year and we get the first round out of them. They just implode the second half of the season and that pick ends up around like 17 or 18 huh. rather than like 28 or 29. That's, that's my dream realistically because there's not a whole lot of plausible scenarios here where Detroit's getting anything but draft picks in return. So um, again, two months ago, I would have said my my dream would have been moving Howard to St. Louis for Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo. Uh, that is not happening now. Um, so yeah, it's probably just going to be the, the highest first round pick we can get. And Nyquist is the best bet for that. Dan Bell says, hey, gents, finally caught up with the pods. Love the rant on the Edmonton situation. How fun was the Nashville game to watch? I thought it was the most entertaining game they've played this year. Yep, I agree. Uh, 100%. I've been a Wings fan since I was five and started playing hockey in 1990, and I'm 97% sure that Abby is the worst hockey player I've ever seen. On a side note, it's Narcan you give to opioid overdoses, uh, if that's what you're referring to on the last pod. Yeah, it's Narcan, and Naloxone is the, uh, the brand name. Brand. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Michigan basketball is kicking ass, so it should be a fun season for them. Cheers. Um, Adam Flett says, okay, okay, not commented for a couple of pods. Which of the free agents this summer are your top three the Wings should take a run at? You can use factors like already received potential trades slash prospects and potential drafts like uh, Hughes or Kako. Like Sorry. factor in like where you think the team might be. Like they drafted Oh, Hughes. okay. Okay, so my my list in order because obviously I'm going to take – as much as I would like to have a guy like Artemi Panarin, I know that his cap hit's probably going to be insane and that's not something I want Detroit to take on. I If Detroit's dipping deep into the free agent pool, I want it to be exclusively for centers or defensemen. So my list in order and on what I roughly think their contract's going to look like is Eric Carlson, Tyler Myers, Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne would be a huge, especially if it turns into uh, a draft where Detroit doesn't get. Yeah, um, I think I think Duchesne's going to go about eight mil a year, and he's going to be a solid point per game guy for about another four or five years. So you can stomach the last three years on that contract, where he's a little less, and I'm good with that. I think Tyler Myers is severely undervalued because of how good Winnipeg's defense is. He gets he gets a little overshadowed. Um, he has his oopsie moments, but his his upside makes up for it. And I mean, Eric Carlson is self-explanatory. 
Uh, Adam Flett continues to say second. I see Larson is back to winning awards in net. Is he considered a blue chip prospect yet, or is he the best we have? Personally, I I still feel uh, KP is our current most viable option, but would love to trade with Buffalo and get Olmark or the World Junior Championship winner with the great name. It depends what you want to see in um, a 20-year-old goalie. Do you want to see a refined goalie or do you want to see a very unpolished athletic goalie? If it's you want the unpolished, it's Petrozelli. If you want a refined goalie, it's Larson. I tend to be higher on Larson right now. I also think we're sleeping on Jesper Eliasson in Sweden, who has been very good the last couple of years, but he hasn't been played at a truly high level yet because he's still in the junior leagues. So... Uh, yeah, in order, I'd probably go Larson, KP, Eliason right now. Uh, we're going to head over to our Reddit thread where we have time for a few of the questions. Mulv just says, sup, fellas? Uh, how good, honestly, is Larkin? Early comparisons like him to Taves, who Dylan is outpacing in points at the moment. Still think that's fair? Um, Don't forget the strong start Taves had to his career. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of Jonathan Taves at the same point in his career, and I think that's fair. Taze was always a very, very good offensive player, but never hit the elite levels of the league. I think that's where Larkin is and will be for the foreseeable future. Uh, Tony O (laughs) says, do you think we get closer? Do you think as we get closer to the trade deadline that we'll be looking more for players like young defensemen prospects versus picks only? Also, any chance we look to make a lateral type trade, but just to move a big rig, etc. off the books? That is not Ken Holland style, so I'm not betting on the lateral move. Uh, I think Holland would love to acquire young defensemen and young players, but those are not the type of players you generally get at the trade deadline. So I'm thinking it's going to be a haul of draft picks again, which is fine, which is fine. Though. Again, once you get past the first round, draft picks are so hit and miss. You just need to have as many darts to throw at the board as you can. Uh, Jacques Strap says, sup boys, glad you're back. What was your favorite Christmas grif- gift Brad and Ryan received? I'm willing to bet Evan just received Cole, that filthy pigeon. Uh, I got shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing but gift cards and that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, my parents were very, I, I keep telling my parents, don't buy me things. You've paid for my entire existence and they just gave me money. I went to the casino at, uh. On the, over the holidays in Windsor, I went to the Caesars, and there was a man at the poker tables who was just trying to donate money to me. It was hilarious. <laughs> he was dressed with, like, dark sunglasses, a hoodie, like, one earbud, like he was Phil Locke. Like, it's just so stupid. He's just giving me money. I refuse to go in those poker rooms anymore. You can't. I just stick to the craps and blackjack table and nothing craps. else. Oh, big spender. <laughs> craps. That's my favorite game, man. It is so fun. It looks fun. I don't know how to play it. I just like watching now, it. I'll take you one time and go, once you understand the game, it is legitimately the most fun game at the casino. Because, like, that's the table where, like, generally when one person wins, everybody wins. Yeah. So that's when you see everybody cheering and high-fiving and all that. That's that table. We should we should do winged wheel podcast craps. <laughs> <laughs> um, I heard Barstool give Chicago its own channel if approached with the winged wheel pod sellout and get uh, get in their network. I Like, if this podcast could be hosted by a legit sports broadcasting network, yeah, obviously like- we'd have to consider the circumstances in any situation what that yeah. would look like like i like i know people have a lot of divisive opinions about barstool they either love them or hate them like i i understand what they are they're not necessarily my taste but i don't despise them or dislike them and if they invite us on i'd happily do it yeah if someone wants to pay us full time to do this yeah we like i our foremost thing is that we preserve what we've built in this podcast yeah. like i wouldn't change our style to conform to the barstool way but if like hey do you like us as we are yeah great yeah we're all in thank you we actually got approached recently by um 
just a company that just kind of manages podcasts and like controls the hosting of them. And they, they said like hosting for free, we'll do all these services for you for free. But the thing is it then becomes their podcast and not having the control and ownership over that without any of the, like we said no very quickly. So it's not the, the integrity of the show is what matters most, but the dream is for us to all be paid full time to talk, talk hockey. Uh, Han Solo mail says, sup guys scenario, the wings finish 12th, win the lottery. Who do you take? Jack or Kako? Jack. Jack. Yeah. Yarvik7 says, uh, hey guys, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, as our defensemen return to health, we will be at a spot where one of the team, one of them has to move. Barring any more health issues, who gets traded or shipped to Grand Rapids? I can't see Holland dropping any of these veterans to Kaiser Daly, Croner, Erickson, or Green. Daly's out for a while, though, isn't he? He'll be back before the end of the season. So, again, it's it's been it's unfortunate, but it's been kind of lucky that the Red Wings have not been fully healthy at any point on defense this year because... Um, I think Witkowski and Hironik get dropped. Chalosky keeps a spot in his lineup. So you're looking at Green, Chalosky, DeKaiser, Daly, Erickson, Cronwall as your regular, Jensen or whoever in the press box. And then, yeah, Witkowski and Hironik are on their way to Grand Rapids. Uh, yeah, and I think Jensen's. I think the Jensen trade is going to be the most likely next move for the defensive core. Yeah, they're they're going to attempt to trade a defenseman. It's probably going to be Jensen because they are aware of the problem they have once they get fully healthy. Uh, Ando seven seven two says uh, Larkin's streaks ended, so the fun is gone. So the question would be, who is a Sith and who would be a Jedi? Oh, the parent, like the penultimate Jedi would be Jedi would be Larkin. The Sith, Tyler Bertuzzi, Athanasiu. Athanasiu would, has, like, would, the eyeshadow look of a Sith. Would Bertuzzi be a Sith? I feel like he'd be the more, like, the um, Han Solo. The, the the good guy with the attitude. <laughs> I'm sure you would piss off a lot of people with that take. Yeah. I mean, like, would the Sith not be the guys, like, Erickson, Abdulkader, Daily, The guys we can't stand. Um, No, because they're still good guys, really. Like, the... Those are all stand-up guys in the the dressing room, right? So that's what it's about. Yeah, but who wins? (laughs) The Sith, really. It seems like they're winning in most of the movies. Uh, Saxophone18 says, which prospect that we've drafted outside of the first round do you think is the most likely to get a full-time spot in the roster? McIsaac. I think that has to be McIsaac right now. McIsaac or Lindstrom. Yeah. Uh, Grand Moff Larkin says, forgot to mention it last time, but I've been a big fan since day one. Look forward to listening twice every week. Thanks for the great content. Uh, I don't have a question, but I felt bad for get, forgetting to add this when last time all I did was point out that you said Shulak was the first D-man to score a breakaway goal when, in fact, Luke Kelsey scored one last year. Don't worry about that at all. That was actually a great little tidbit. And thank you for all of your support. Well, to be fair, was Witkowski playing defense that game? Yeah, I, can't, it was hard to I say. can't remember. Witkowski, uh, Luke Brent Burns Witkowski is what we kindly refer to him as and with that we're going to wrap up uh this weekend's episode of the winged wheel podcast thank you everyone for listening uh we are we have started the hashtag ask wwp so if you're on twitter and you want to ask questions we are going to be taking a few twitter questions for overtime so hashtag ask w ask wwp put your question out there uh we like to thank everyone all our listeners all of our patrons our name level sponsors sean levine chad hiersack uh sky carcass arjun shanker clayton van dyken langabeer derek shippert Ryan Lewis, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Dan Bell, and Hanley. Thank you all so much. If you guys want to support the show, go to at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter. 
follow that account and then go to the bio. Our individual accounts are the really great follows. Uh, we love to interact with you on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe however you get your podcast. Leave us a rating wherever you can. iTunes is huge for us. And uh, we will see you in the middle of the week. Thank you.